think I uh, need to break open a bottle of Scotland's finest. No, it's not a Speyside single malt, but it is Highland Spring, and so uh, uh, that's a, a nice thing. Uh, thanks to Johan for the kind comments today. It, it made me think about uh, a story, you know, talking about receiving something from the Lord. It reminded me of a story of a guy uh, who, who had, was preaching a sermon in a church, and, uh, and he was just preaching his heart out. I mean, he thought he'd given, like, the best sermon of his life. I mean, the power of God was present. Everything was, was uh, just really there for him. And uh, so after the sermon, he was at the back uh, greeting people, uh, welcoming them as, uh, you know, as, as it went out. And several people said, you know, good sermon, good sermon. And uh, one guy came up to him and said, Pastor, that was just amazing. Right in the middle of your sermon, God gave me the most incredible dream I've ever had. <laughs> so you need to be careful of those kinds of things. I, uh, you might think about that for a little bit. Uh, anyway, as uh, I'm a little boomy up here. I'm sounding kind of like God. Yes. I'm sorry. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me to a couple of places today. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm a little tired this morning, so I, I, I feel like I'm a little too tired to be funny. But hopefully I'm funny looking today. If I'm not funny, uh, get one of those two. Oh, and I better get my glasses because I can't even see this without my glasses. But uh, we're going to go to Isaiah 58 and then to uh, Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, in Isaiah 58, we're just going to take the last two verses there. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then over to Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, we'll, pick up, uh, we'll pick up with verse, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world." For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. 
For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. May God bless to us these readings from his holy word. Well, back uh, last month, we were, it's, it's still February, isn't it? Yes, last month we were up on the Isle of Lewis in the Outer Hebrides up in Scotland. And uh, we, when someone said, uh, hey, you're going up to Lewis, up to Scotland, that must be really lovely. You're going to have a lovely time. And I said, yeah, we'll have the gentle breezes blowing off the Atlantic Ocean. And, and certainly we did. Uh, one night we had gentle breezes of 135 miles an hour uh, blowing across the uh, headlands where we were staying. And so it made for some very interesting days up there. But, you know, you learn what you can do with a nice wood fire and, and no uh, power. Uh, you can have a really nice time and uh, a lovely cup of tea, you know, on the, on the wood-fired stove. And we just really enjoy that. And one of the, the things that we really love about Lewis is the way that they observe the Sabbath. On the Isle of Lewis, although things have been changing here recently, and largely because of people coming to the island from outside, um, on the Isle of Lewis, they still have rather strict Sabbath laws. When we first went up there in 2004, uh, on, uh, on a Sunday, you could not go to a restaurant uh, unless you were a resident in a hotel and the hotel was serving food, or unless you were in a B&B uh, and they were serving food for you, uh, because everything was closed. Uh, even today, most everything is closed, although uh, they started doing a Sunday ferry service a couple of years ago. And interestingly, uh, not a week after they started the Sunday ferry service, the island was hit by a freak uh, tornado. Coincidence? You decide. Anyway, uh, and they even used to take the Sabbath so seriously that they would chain up the, the swings on the playgrounds so that the kids wouldn't treat the, the Sabbath frivolously and go to the park and things like that. And still today, people don't do their laundry on the Sabbath, or at least uh, if they do, it's all self-contained inside the house. And there's no, you know, if you've got one of those dryers that vent outside, you'd never do your laundry because people would see it. You know, they're, you're working on the Sabbath. You know, that's a, that's a really bad thing. But that said, there's something really amazing about Sundays on the Isle of Lewis if you're, if you're a believer. Uh, I love the church that we go to. starts uh, about uh, 1230, uh, which I think is a really uh, good time. Or maybe it's 12 o'clock. It's a really good time for church to start. You know, I love this idea of sleeping in on a Sunday, having a nice leisurely breakfast, and then going to church. Uh, and then they have the afternoons, and many people go to one another's homes. It seems like the only person that really doesn't rest on the, on the Sabbath is the woman of the house that has to cook the roast. But uh, we'd go to the homes, and we'd, we'd spend the time, and then we'd go to a, an evening service where we'd hear preaching again. Uh, and then after that, you'd go back to someone's home. And, uh, and most of the time, uh, if you're ex excusing yourself at midnight, you feel like you're going home a little early. And it's just really an amazing time uh, and makes you think, wow, I, I, can, I can get a glimpse of why God would have created this wonderful seventh day on which to rest. I, I can see why God valued that and I can see why Jesus said that uh, the, uh, 
the man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Uh, it's a very, very powerful time, and I highly commend it. I highly commend it. And even as we read through Isaiah, uh, God takes this Sabbath day very, very seriously. And he says that, you know, if you'll call the Sabbath a delight and not use it as a day to go about your business, and that's what he's talking about, going about your business. If you don't use it as a day to go about your business or, or to talk idly, and, and the, the implication there is not just, you know, having casual conversation. Uh, the implication there is having conversations uh, that bring people down, that, that are rather destructive, uh, and, and so on and so forth. And he says, you know, if you, will, if you will do that, if you will treat it as really a holy day and a day of rest, he gives a promise there, and he says, you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. And I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. So there's, there's this dynamic where if we, if we honor this day, if we honor this seventh day, this Sabbath day, that we will find delight in God. We'll be able to draw closer to God. And, uh, and, and we, will, we will be restored in our spirits. Uh, we will go to new places right on the heights of the earth. That uh, we will find new strength and new focus and new abilities for the week ahead. Uh, and that we will be nourished by the heritage that we have as believers. That we all as believers have the whole heritage of salvation history uh, that, we will, that we will benefit from if we will only honor the Sabbath. Now here's the trick on this. That so often when you, you hear this and it can take us down very legalist, legalistic pathways as it has on the Isle of Lewis. To where they, they treat it so seriously that maybe they get it a little too serious at some points. I mean, I, I don't think that, uh, that Isaiah was prophesying that children shouldn't swing on swing sets on Sundays. Um, although, you know, who knows? Maybe somebody has a hotline that I don't have to God on that. But the challenge here is that actually, when we're looking at it, we discover that the Sabbath is not in and of itself, the fullness of the promise. The Sabbath was only ever intended by God to point to something bigger, to point to something deeper and fuller and richer. The Sabbath was only intended by God as, in, in one sense, a metaphor, you might say, for something else. Uh, and in another sense, you might say a sign, not totally dissimilar to how communion is a sign of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the seventh day was to be a sign, not sacramentally, but a sign of something deeper and fuller, which is rest. Now, that, that's a tough concept for any of us who live in London. Uh, it certainly is a tough concept for me, this idea of rest. And, uh, and, and I don't know if you've ever heard someone talking about ministering from a place of rest. I, I hear that a lot in, in a number of circles, that, that as Christians, we need to, to minister out of a place of rest. 
Uh, or sometimes they'll say, you know, we need to live in a place of rest. And clearly, uh, they must be talking about, you know, living in, in a nice leisurely place, uh, you know, perhaps along uh, the beach in uh, South Africa, enjoying the sunshine. And uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's a leisurely life. Or, you know, it's easy for somebody who is independently wealthy to say, yeah, I, I live and I minister out of a place of rest. Uh, because that connotes to, uh, to our minds this idea that we're, we're in lounge chairs, that, that somehow uh, we're getting 13 hours of sleep a day and we're eating all that we want to and the kids never act up and we never have problems at work and uh, we just kind of coast through life with this, yeah, I'm chilled. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in rest. Hey, you, you should rest like I do. But that's not what it's talking about. In fact, it was never talking about rest in that kind of way. Now, the writer to the Hebrews, he's actually quoting from, uh, it's, it's not Psalm 96 or 94. Now, I just it kind of jumped out of my mind. Um, where it, the, the psalm starts out praising God and blessing the Lord. And, uh, and, and then it goes into today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did at Meribah. And what had happened, what they're talking about was the time when you remember Joshua and Caleb and, and the other uh, 10 uh, uh, spies went into the land and they came back and they said, hey, let's go into the land. You know, this is a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's got a lot of produce and, and great things are happening in this land. And and we can go into this land. This is God's land for us. And the other ten spies say, no way. Yeah, it looks great, but the people there are big. Uh, they got bazookas. Uh, they take us out. And so the people uh, of Israel said, no, okay, well, well, we can't go there. No, no way will we go there. And Joshua and Caleb said, hey, this is easy. God's on our side. Let's move into this place because this is the place God has designed for us. This is the place God has called us to. And the people said, no, we're not going to go. We're not going to go. And, and then God was really upset by that and said, okay, well, you, this just shows such unbelief and such lack of faith in me as your God. After all I've done to take you out of Egypt, we crossed through the Red Sea together. You walk through the Red Sea on dry land, and now you don't trust me to take out a few uh, big people in the land that I want to give you. Well, for that, you're going to wander in the desert. You're not going to be in a place of rest for the next 40 years. And they said, oy vey, we made a mistake. The next day they try to go into the land, but they're soundly defeated and, uh, and they can't do it because God's not on their side. And so they end up having to wander for 40 years. And the psalmist is saying, now, when you hear God, don't harden your hearts when the Lord speaks to you. And by the way, the place that the Lord mostly speaks to us as Christians is the place of worship. It's one of the reasons why we need to gather together every week to worship together and spend time with one another worshiping. Because just like in the psalm, the word of the Lord came out of the time of worship. So it happens so often in our lives. And uh, the psalmist says, you know, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now we go, you fast forward uh, several hundred years, and here the writer to the Hebrews is quoting this psalm and connecting this psalm with the whole Sabbath rest, uh, because that's what the psalm was talking about. And he says, you know, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So clearly, 
the people of God who had been observing the seventh day as the Sabbath day for so long were not really entering fully into the rest that God had designed, that God had planned. That there was still a Sabbath rest that we would enter into as we had faith, as we had belief. There is a Sabbath rest that is designed for us And this rest really has nothing to do with the amount of sleep that you get. This rest has nothing to do with the amount of leisure time that you have. This rest is something dramatically different. And it's something that every one of us can have as Christians. This rest is the place of God's favor in your life. It is the promises of God over your life. It is the place where God has put you and secured you. Now the whole idea behind the promised land, and and you see this, this is the rest, was God was going to take the people of Israel into the promised land and they would have their land and they would dwell in that land securely as long as they believed him. And you notice throughout the whole history of Israel, when they were believing God and walking faithfully with Him, they had peace. And when they started following other idols and things like that, they moved out of the place of peace and into a place of warfare. And as long as they were in a place of obedience to God and faith in God, in the place where God had put them, they would be secure in that place. And no one could take them out of that place, no matter how hard they tried. And it was only until the, the Israelites fully embraced idolatry that God said, okay, I'm going to break this idolatry from you. And the way that I'm going to do this is by allowing you to go into a time of exile And you're going to experience amazing brokenness, and it's going to be a horrible time. But I guarantee you, after the 70 years, you're going to come out on the other side of that, and you will be so fearful of idolatry, you'll never want to go back to it again. And by the way, that has been the history ever since the, the Jews came back from the Babylonian captivity. They have avoided idolatry like the plague. God broke that out of them. But the place of rest was a place of belief and security and favor where they were living in obedience to God and they had faith in God. And that meant that they didn't have to strive to get to that place, nor did they have to strive to keep that place. What they had to do was be faithful to God and have faith in God in order to stay in that place. Now let me try to illustrate this because it's a, uh, it, it, it can be kind of a, a tough concept. And I think the Lord has been teaching me a lot about this in my own life the last few weeks. Uh, you, you may be aware that there were years here at City Temple. We had a lot of conflict. Uh, a lot of things going on. Very, very bad stuff. A lot of issues that we had to work through. Uh, and it was really an a eight-year period of struggle. Uh, and real, real difficulties that we went through. But God brought us through that, and God brought the victory uh, of that. And in that, in that process, 
God has brought me to a place where I know where I belong. I, I know my calling here in light of City Temple. I'm not looking to go anyplace else. I'm not looking to say, okay, God, what are you going to do in the future? I, I know that I'm in a place and that only God can take me out of this place by his will or by his choice. No human being or no force of hell can take me out of this place. Now, why that's important is that the last three weeks have been crazy intense. And it's not been crazy intense necessarily in a bad way, uh, although there's been a little bit of that. I mean, in the bad sense of crazy intense, uh, you know, from time to time in a church, I know you guys never go through this, but you know, from time to time in a church, you get people who get upset with each other. You know, and they kind of bicker a little bit and they criticize and the tensions rise up and, you know, and, and, you know, we've had a little bit of that. We go through that from time to time. I'm glad that you guys never have that uh, because you've learned from our experience, uh, I'm sure. Uh, and so, so there's been a little bit of that, but, but literally I have had more than I can humanly possibly do. And I've been going full out for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, actually, yeah, even more than the last three weeks. But I've been going full out, and I have been busy, and I am, I am tired, and, and I'm, I'm just having to go at it. But you know, I came to this realization that all this busyness and all the intensity and the weariness and stuff like that, it's all a season. And the one thing I'm not doing is I'm not striving to maintain my place. That there's a sense deep inside of me where I'm at rest. Yeah, it's a little bit of crazy and, and, and it's a little intense and, and strange. But, you know, I'm where God wants me to be. And I am held securely by God. I know that Satan cannot do anything to me. And I know even human beings can't do anything to me outside the will of God because I am secure in the Lord and I am secure in this place where I am. As David said, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Does that make sense? That is Sabbath rest. That is what the writer to the Hebrews is talking about. That is the promised land. The promised land for, for Israel never was a place that there would be no war or no struggles or no efforts or, or anything like that. The promised land was designed to be a place of security for Israel where they would know God's presence and God's protection and God's favor over their lives. And no matter what was happening, no matter whether things were on the outside were going well or circumstances on the outside were going poorly, they knew that they were at rest in the Lord. This is what God intends for us. And every single Christian, this is your birthright this is what God has for you. This place of knowing I am who I am. I am where I am. I am with the people that God wants me to be with. And I can prosper in this place. That's what God wants for you. To get to the place where you're not striving for those things. You see, most of the time we spend our lives striving to get that stuff. 
striving to get the right relationship, striving to get the right job, striving to make enough money, striving for this or striving for that. And God's saying, hey, don't go, you know, it's not about striving for all those things. It's about coming to me and believing that I want what's best for you. It's having faith in me and listening to me when I give you guidance for your life. Obeying me, no matter how crazy it might seem at the time, and no, no matter how tumultuous it might feel at the time, to simply choosing to obey and walk in that reality. And as we have faith in God, choosing to obey Him, following His Word, we enter that place of rest. And that is what God has chosen for you. That is what God has for you. And so the writer to the Hebrews then says something that sounds incredibly crazy. He says, therefore, strive to enter that rest. But now it begins to make sense. That the rest we're striving to enter into is not that five weeks of holiday that we might get. It's not that occasional weekend off that we might have. It's not that occasional lie-in that that we might find for ourselves. But the rest is that place of, I know that Jesus is in me. I know that God has called me as as his son, as his child. I know that God intends good for me, even if my circumstances right now don't seem to be good. And so I will choose to believe God more than my circumstances. I will choose to believe God's word more than public opinion. I will choose to allow God's word to expose in me those areas where I've been striving. I've been going about my own business. I've been talking idly. I've been doing those things that kind of violate the Sabbath day and prevent me from taking delight in the Lord. I allow the word of God to expose those things so that I can choose to obey and believe and enter the rest. And it's something that doesn't come easy for us. That's why we have to strive for it. But it is something that is attainable for every single Christian. Now the thing is, as we discover, once you begin to move into that and attain that, you have to maintain it. You have to continue to walk in it. You have to continue to believe that what God says is true. You have to continue to affirm the presence of Jesus Christ in you and that you are a saint, you are a holy one. You have to continue to turn away from those things that uh, hinder our rest, hinder that place, such as sin, and repent of that sin. Or when people wound you, as they often will, that you choose to forgive them, which is actually between you and God, saying, God, you know, I choose to forgive this person for what they've done, which made me feel this way. And as you strive to do these simple things, day after day after day, you will enter a place of rest. And the surprising thing is that many times you get there and you don't even realize you're there until you have a few crazy weeks when it seems like you've got the impossible tasks that nobody could do. And then all of a sudden you see, ah, Even though it's crazy on the outside, it's calm on the inside. 
And that's the Sabbath rest that is promised for the people of God. That's the Sabbath rest that is promised for you. May we enter it together. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you, we honor you, and we adore you. And we thank you for the gift of the Sabbath rest. Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us to see what that is for our own lives. Lord, I pray that uh, you'd first of all expose in our hearts those things that have prevented us from entering your rest. Perhaps it's that small area of sin that you're showing me right now or it's that area of unbelief where I've not really believed that you are good or that you are capable of bringing about good for me. Show us, Lord, those little areas that would cause us to miss delighting in you. Areas where we go about our own business or we do our own thing in our own way without reference to you. Expose these things, Lord God, so that we might begin to enter into this Sabbath rest, a rest that happens not just one day a week, but happens every single day of our lives. Help us to inhabit that place of rest and help us to stay in that place of rest. We love you and we honor you. And I pray your blessing upon this church, Lord. I, I pray your blessing for breakthrough in the visa situation. Uh, whatever needs to happen, Lord, whoever needs to have favor in the home office, uh, release favor, Lord. Favor into in visas. Uh, release favor into this congregation, Lord. The favor uh, of co-workers to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Favor upon the families that the, the children will grow to love Jesus every single day of their lives. Let's pray your blessing over all the congregations that, of the, the South African congregation. Cause them to be fruitful and to multiply and to prosper and to be in a place of rest. And I thank you, Lord God, for our partnership together for the gospel. And I thank you, Lord God, for the love that we have for one another. And I ask your blessing to be upon this congregation and blessing upon Rian and his family. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the promises that you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.